summary of the Sikha. There's a passage in, in this parsha. You'll see the enemy of the donkey of your enemy, crouched under its load, overwhelmed by its load. The will refrain from helping him. you should help him. So the Mechilta explains this pasuk that why does it why is it written and you will refrain from helping him? You should help him. What it means is sometimes you're allowed to refrain from helping him, and sometimes you have to help him. What are the two cases? that you, you can refrain from helping him. If the, the donkey was a Jew, it belonged to a Jew, and the load on it was a guy's, then you have to help him. Because you have to help the donkey that belongs to a Jew. It shouldn't become, to break the donkey, it shouldn't uh, become harmed. And, but if the donkey belongs to a guy, and the load belongs to a yid, so then you can refrain. It's not your responsibility to help. The second example is that if a Kayan was, the animal was in a cemetery, and he's a Kayan, so he should refrain from going into the cemetery to become Tameh, and therefore he doesn't have to help. Rashi also brings, uh, explains this Pasuk, and first he explains the simple meaning of the Pasuk. Do you think that if you see the uh, an animal that is under crouched under its load, and you think that you can ignore it, that you can refrain, it's with a question mark. You must help him. The answer is no. You can't refrain. You must help him. That's the simple explanation of the pasuk. And then the medrash. This is how the, the our sages taught uh, were deirish. They gave a drush to this pasuk. That when you, sometimes you can you can refrain and sometimes you have to help. How? If there was an elder and it's it's beneath him, it's not according to his dignity to help out. So then he's allowed to refrain. Or the animal of a guy and the load belongs to a yid. Then you also are allowed to refrain. So there's a few there's a few things that we have to understand about this Rashi. First of all, he changes from the mechilta. He doesn't give the same examples as the mechilta. He gives the example the mechilta gave the Kayan that is in the cemetery. Rashi gives the elder, then it's not Lefikvayda. Why does he change it from the way the Chiltati gives the example? And although the elder, and it's not according to his dignity, is brought in the Gemara, but that's brought on a Pasuk that is all the way in Parashik Yisaitzei. And over there it talks about if you see a, an, a, an ox wandering and uh, you think uh, you can ignore it, don't ignore it. You have to help him. So over there, the, the Gemara and the Sifri say that it's talking about Azok and Ben But why would Rashi take the example that's brought over there in the Gemara and ignore the example that the Mechilta gives right on this passage? Another thing in the Mechilta, he first brings the example of the load, the donkey belongs to a guy and the load belongs to a Yid as the first example. And Don goes to the other example where Rashi gives that as the second example. Another question, Rashi says, the medrash is that sometimes you have to help and sometimes you can refrain. Or the opposite, sometimes you can refrain and sometimes you have to help. But he never gives an example of when you have to help. He only gives the example of the, of the, the donkey belonging to the guy and the load belongs to a yid and then you're allowed to refrain. Why then does he say that sometimes you have to help? The, the mechilta also says sometimes you have to help. But the Mechilta brings both cases. The donkey belonging to a guy and the donkey belonging to a Yid. So therefore he gives when you have to help and when you can uh, refrain. But Rashi only brings the case of refraining. So why does he have to say sometimes you have to help? 
So we'll understand this by first explaining why does Rashi have to give examples altogether? Why does he have to give examples of when you can refrain? Rashi is not a safer halacha. He's just explaining to you what the Pasuk says. He doesn't need to give you an example of when it applies. In fact, in, in the other Pasuk over there, in the Kiseitse, where he talks about the Salamta, that sometimes you're allowed to ignore it, he just says that sometimes you're going to ignore, ignore it, etc. He doesn't tell you when you're allowed to ignore it. Why does he feel over here that he needs to give examples? So therefore we have to say that somehow the examples explain, they give us a better understanding of the why the Torah says that you can't ignore it. So the explanation is, what is the problem that Rashi has over here in this Pasuk? Why does the Torah have to, the question is, why does the Torah have to tell you, should you think that you can ignore it? Why would the Torah say that? Perhaps because it says the, the donkey of your enemy. That could lead you to say, well, I don't want to help my enemy. But in the previous Pasuk it says, if you will see the ox of your enemy wandering lost, and you, so you, you have to return it. And over there, the previous Pasuk, it doesn't say, and you will think that you could ignore it. It doesn't say that. In fact, the re- it, it makes sense that the Torah doesn't need to say that because that could apply to every mitzvah. Every mitzvah has certain inconveniences. Does the Torah say uh, you should eat kosher, but if you should say, well, it's too expensive to eat kosher, don't say it's too... The Torah doesn't give you, doesn't respond to every inconvenience that you might fight with a, find in a mitzvah. So why in this Pasuk does he, does he find that he has to tell you and you think you're going to ignore it? No, don't ignore it. Especially that in the previous Pasuk it, it talks about a similar situation. He doesn't say it. That's Rashi's question. So therefore Rashi comes to the conclusion that the Torah says it here because it's teaching something that is on, only pertains to this situation. In this case... He has to, the Torah is telling you something which doesn't apply in the previous pasuk, and that is that if it, but the load belongs to a the donkey belongs to a guy and the load belongs to a yid, you have to help, and you, you, that that's when you can refrain. That doesn't apply in the previous pasuk, and that's why over there he doesn't say that you are allowed to refrain. He doesn't spell out this uh, allowed to refrain idea. And that's why Rashi feels that he needs to tell you the example because in order to understand why the Torah says it in this Pasuk and not in the previous Pasuk, he tells you that it's talking about a situation which doesn't apply to the previous Pasuk where the animal belongs to a guy and the uh, load belongs to a yid and that's when you don't have to help. So that's why he points out what the examples are. The question still remains, why does he bring the other example? the elder and it's beneath his dignity what, what, that does apply by the previous Pasuk as well so the explanation is this Rashi's second part of the Rashi, the Medrash that he talks about is not a second answer about it is a continuation to the first explanation in other words, Rashi goes with his simple understanding of what it means you think that you're going to ignore it you can't ignore it the Medrash is coming to explain why the Torah in this case has to tell you that you might think that you could ignore it I'm telling you not to why suddenly here? that's what he explains from the Medrash and that's why he points out that this is a Medrash this is a Medrash which is a Drush it's not 
seen as the explanation of the Pasuk, it just gives understanding of why the Pasuk needs to point that out here. But the, the explanation of the Pasuk remains the same. You think you could ignore it, no, you can't ignore it. And the explanation is because the halacha is that pa'amim sha'ata that sometimes you're allowed to refrain from helping and pa'amim and only sometimes do you have to help in other words there's sort of an equal situation it's not that 99% of the time you have to help and occasionally in a very extreme situation you don't have to help no sometimes you have to help sometimes you can, you can refrain the whole mitzvah is structured in such a way that there are certain different situations sometimes you do have to help sometimes you don't have to help the chadalta there are times when you can refrain from helping and because that's the case like for instance in the case of the elder so that teaches us that because it's beneath his dignity he doesn't have to help so any person can come along and say by him it's beneath his dignity by me, I feel weak today. I didn't have a good breakfast. So it's too difficult for me to unload an animal. And we see that the Torah allows a person to refrain in certain situations. So I'll take the liberty to refrain as well. That's why the Torah says, no, you can't just take the liberty because there are situations in which I permit you to refrain. You think you're going to refrain because you're too tired? No, you have to help. But that's the reason why the Torah needs to tell it to us. Because the, the mitzvah is structured in such a way that sometimes you have to help, sometimes you don't have to help. And that's why Rashi says both. Sometimes you have to help and sometimes you don't have to help. Even though he only describes the situations in which you don't have to help. Because he's trying to give you the big picture. That's the reason that the Torah says that you might think that you don't have to help because it's structured in that way. The other example, behemus nochri, it's an animal that belongs to a guy. So we see from this that it's not even about the animal. You might think that it's in order to help the animal in its distress. So the, it shows that it's not even about the animal. So therefore, that lends another layer to the you know taking liberties of it's not so terrible not to help. So that's why the Torah has to tell you that you must help. That explains why the the elder example is given before the other one, even though in the Mechilte it's the other way, or at least that's the first one, because the elder is a much more compelling reason why a person might think that he doesn't have to help, because because of his dignity, he doesn't have to help. So because of my uh, tiredness, I don't have to help. The second one is more of a support, you know, because the animal, it's not about the animal, that's not as compelling a reason why you might think you could ignore it. And it also explains very simply why Rashi doesn't use the example that the Mechilti uses or the Kayan in the, uh, in the cemetery, because that doesn't say anything about taking liberties about uh, there's a, a certain heter that you could think that you have a heter, because the reason that a Kayan is not allowed to get involved is not because it, it, we're trying to make it easier for him, it's just because the holiness of a Kayan that he's not allowed to go into the uh, Beis Akvaris is such a serious violation that it overrides the, the, the mitzvah of helping. But not that this would give anyone an excuse to think that he doesn't have to help because a Kayan is not allowed to go into Beis Akvaris. That's why Rashi doesn't bring that example at all. 
And that's also why the Torah doesn't feel that it has to say it by the previous Pasuk, which talks about returning a lost object. Because nobody would think that you could take liberties and never return a lost object because there are cases in which you're allowed to ignore it. Generally speaking, returning a lost object is not a very hard work. Most things are carryable. The Torah gives examples of a garment or an animal. An animal walks behind you, and it's uh, whereas the unloading of a donkey, that is always hard work. And over there, the Torah has to make sure that you don't take liberties. The Rebbe also explains this Rashi in the context of how the Baal Shem Tev teaches this Pasuk. Baal Shem Tev teaches this Pasuk as Kisira Chamoir, Sainacha. If you see the coarse physical body, it refers to the body because it's coarsely physical. And you might treat it like an enemy. Sainacha, you might think it's your enemy. And you might uh, refrain from helping it. You'll start crushing it by fasting and applying all kinds of other uh, tormentations to your body to break it. So the Pasuk says, no, ozev tazev ima. We have to help and support the body. We have to refine the body, elevate it, but not crush it. So the Alter Rebbe teaches that there are two situations in which you are allowed to fast. There is the uh, fast which is connected to tshuva. If a person committed sins and he wants to do tshuva, so he fasts that is permitted at least to some degree then there is another level which is that you haven't done any committed any sins but you want to bring a further refinement, a greater refinement to your body to yourself, so you fast in that way, that's less uh, it's not as often that the Alter Rebbe allows that only if you're truly a strong person and so on, only then can you fast in that situation. But those are the two situations which are generally permitted for a person to fast. So Rashi here is describing those two situations. One of them is behemas nochri, the animal is a goy, which means a person committed a sin. So his body falls under the domain of klipa. It's under the control of klipa. That's the meaning of the behema the nefesh of Bahamas became go- it, it came under the control of a guy, but masoi shal yisrael the load meaning the person's has a load of mitzvahs every yid even the most the greatest sinner has melei mitzvahs karim and so the the neshama still remains full of mitzvahs that's the one description of when you're allowed to fast the other one is zakin bein lufikvede it's a sage a scholar and it's not a, it's not a, according to his uh, dignity to his standard that he has to deal with the body. He's an, he's on a higher level. He doesn't have to. He doesn't commit sins, and he and it's beneath him to have to deal with the body. And that's why he feels that he needs a little more refinement because it's possible that because he's into such spiritual things, he may have ignored his physical body, and therefore the body never remained, never got refined, never became refined. So he wants to apply a measure of refinement of the body as well, and therefore fasts for that purpose. So that explains it. The Torah says, if there is a person that walks the straight and narrow, and he does everything correctly, the way the Torah expects, so then what are you fasting for? You think you're going to stop helping the body? You want to crush the body? You want to fast? What for? That's not for you. That's the simple, direct understanding of the situation. When a yid is straight, but then there comes a medrash, in other words, a deeper, a more complicated situation, where a yid has committed sins. 
So therefore, there is pa'amim sha'atachaydel. Sometimes you could ignore the body. You do. You might want to fast. There is good reason for you to fast. But even then, even though the Alter Rebbe says that there are situations in which one is permitted to fast, and in other words, you can ignore your body for, to some degree. But because the Alter Rebbe and the Balshem gave better ways in which this can be done, and they said that because we are weakened people. And the Abishta made us weaken people, which means that it's not even our fault, and therefore we have to do what the Alter Rebbe said, which is that if we need to fast, then we should redeem it with staka. So instead of applying um, difficult and painful situations, it's better to do tshuva through simcha betuv levav. That's an even better way to accomplish all that, and you lose nothing by doing it that way, since the Alter Rebbe and the Baal Shem Tov suggested that that must accomplish the same as the fast.